0: All right, we are back. That was Masquerade, the title song of the CD, Masquerade. And I am here with the one and only Mr. Randy Rose. How are you doing today, buddy? Good, Johnny. How about you, man? Good to hear from you. You know, uh, if if I was any more alive, or I guess that's a word, then uh, I would be slapping myself how good God has been treating me.
1: That's a good thing to do. Nothing wrong with being too good for once, you know?
0: Yeah, and, and you know what? My, my saying is, it's better to be six feet above than six feet below, and you're always
1: having a good day. Absolutely. When you're alive, you're able to make choices. You know, that's 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 the thing. You still got a chance when you're breathing. That's what I say.
0: So, you know what? I'm, I'm really excited about this because i uh, mad at the world. You know, I remember, uh, you know, through my teenage years back, you know, in the 90s, um that that you were you were out there and you were just flooding the world with the message you know and uh so you've been doing this for so long so i i am just honored to meet you
1: well, I'm I'm glad to be here to be honest with you this is my my third podcast and I'm just getting the swing of it but I just love uh, connecting I I realize what God has given me is a gift and I just feel honored I've been I've been doing it since I'm 14 years old with Matt at the world so it's just great to rekindle what God wants to do you know kind of living out our purpose and I feel like that's what i'm I'm doing again you know and you know if if we stray away from
0: his purpose we for you know, it's, it's just a, a life of emptiness. And that's where I feel that a lot of people have uh, succumbed to addictions such as alcoholism and, you know, other parts like other parts of that uh, alcohol, drugs, uh, you know, what the standard uh, uh, secular bands usually go to because they're not uh, spirit filled. You agree with that?
1: Oh, I completely agree with that. I realize that, you know, Every spiritual seeking person, every hippie that's ever wanted to get high, every drug addict that needs a fixed, uh, any, any lonely prostitute that, that knows no other way uh, to have dignity, but to make money by selling yourself. All that stuff is just a, a real horrible, desperate attempt to fill that God shaped hole in our life. I mean, there's that thing that I. I believe Billy Graham talked about it. It's just that thing called cosmic loneliness. It's that thing where we can just stand outside in front of the stars and realize, oh, my goodness, no matter how much you want to deny the fact that there's no God if you don't believe there's a God or there's you know, there's only me or there's no death, there is eternity, and there's a God that loves you, and there's this actual yearning in our heart even before we know him i believe we're just you know he's chasing after us and we're being drawn uh to try to know our creator so yeah absolutely everything has been a substitute for intimacy with our creator since the day we stepped out of the garden
0: you know what and 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 i totally agree with that i totally agree with that because you see these actors and actresses that you think oh they're on top of the world they're they're funny they they're they're lively they yeah. they have so many people that love them but they live a life away from god and they have that cosmic uh loneliness they they have that yearning to feel the presence but unfortunately to to some of them they
1: they they get that call a little too late well absolutely and that's that's a sad thing life you know like we were talking about you know we're doing okay if we're above ground and, and breathing because we have choices uh, any which way. You know, like Sinead O'Connor um, passing away yesterday, getting that news. I'm sure you heard of that. Um, she's died within a year basically to the day of her son killing herself, which is just another super, super, super sad thing. Uh, you know, a, a rock star, super famous, super, super popular. Obviously, she was troubled. She talked about it in her writing. But, I mean, that was her expression of who she was, was writing but I guess she had a bunch of abuse in the, in, in the Catholic church and all that stuff and, uh, took it inward and, and never got healed, never got whole and, and turned to a, another God. And of course that God uh, didn't offer salvation and mercy to her. And she, I don't know if she took her own life, but I know her son did a year ago, but it's just unbelievable. Everybody that's passing, everybody that's going at a real, early age now. I mean, it's kind of a, it's a wonderful time to be alive as a Christian because we realize, you know, our light can shine the darkest, you know, the brightest when it's this dark like it is, but it's also a creepy time because there's a lot of kind of untimely things happening right now. It's really, really a scary time. Yeah. And she was a,
0: she was cut from a different cloth, you know, performance and all that. Oh, yeah. And, you know, she is well missed to the uh, people that grew up around that time of era when she did that. Nothing compares to, to you. Oh, yeah. And what was really haunting is I remember Chris Cornell singing. That was the last song he sung before he took his life. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I didn't know that. Wow, He, he did that song for XM, Sirius XM. It was Boy. a studio song. That is so sad, and uh, you just—it's it, just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a shame that none none of these people were reached at, had had people reached out to them and say, "Hey, you know, God loves you. I love you. You know, yeah. whatever turmoil,s whatever whatever feelings you're going through, it's nothing new under the sun. You know, you you have a brother or sister that goes through that, and somehow. They found their way back to God, you know. Why couldn't you know? We we just need as a, as a church, as the body of Christ, we need to use our hands to heal and, you know, our hearts to reach out to those who are who are um,
1: confused. Absolutely, I completely agree. We stopped being a a group of people, um, really, these last ten or fifteen years as as believers. Um, that really believe that Jesus is who He says He is and does what He's always done. You know, he's He's the same today, tomorrow, and forever. So if you, like you said, we should be laying hands on people, sick people should be healed, death he, death people should be able to hear. blind should see. That really is 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 the gospel. That's what changed people's lives. Was a demonstration of His love by His power um, in miracles, and I believe every bit of that. So. That's the thing. If, if you're not missing that, you're going to do everything you can to try to fill that hole until you're so empty that you end it. And that's what's happening with America and everybody, especially artists. You know, we're actually really, really sensitive. So we're supposed to be the mouthpiece um, of God. You know, he, he speaks to us in songs, whether we use it for him or not. Obviously, there's wonderful people that choose not to, um, which is horrible because you're not living up to your purpose, but you still feel that. And then it becomes real empty when you don't know the author, you know, when you don't know God himself, yourself. Yeah. And
0: with, with, with all that, you, you know, you just being sensitive, you, you tend to, uh, take everything a lot with a lot more passion too. And, and it's not, it's not just, uh, not just artists, you know, music, musical artists. It's artists that use their hands to create oh, sculptures, work of art. You know, you had uh, Da Vinci. He went insane and cut his ear off. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. It's true. It's very true. Yeah, and and people don't give recognition to artists that that they go through this stuff and they try to find a a outlook. And most of the time, the outlook is through paraphernalia, uh, through oh, yeah. sexual innuendos, through uh, through anything that can try to fill the void. And, and my and no, I'm a sinner. Uh, yeah. There was a yeah. season in my life where alcohol was a, was trying. I was trying to use alcohol as a band aid. I don't know if you went through a season through that uh, through your youth.
1: Uh, but, not with any kind of alcohol or drug use, but I I, I know it's like to to fill fill up anything to to, to, to you know, hide the pain. And mine is just burying myself in just avoidance. I, I know that very, very well when, when I get hurt, you know.
0: Yeah, and when you get hurt, you seek to shelter yourself, to shield yourself from everybody because you don't want that hurt again. But God That's made true. us a, a child of love and not a child of fear. Just because yeah. one one person had hurt you, God will make another one heal you that's very true so, that is god's will yeah absolutely uh but let's continue with you uh your upbringing um uh, were you um were were you and your family
1: in uh church um all your life um yeah absolutely um my mom and dad were they they passed away this last uh mom three years ago, my dad six months ago. So I lost them all during the making of the masquerade, which was real sad. They never got to hear it finished, unfortunately. But, um, I know they're hearing it in heaven now, but uh-huh. yeah, I was, Amen. I was raised in a great Christian family. I'm very, very grateful. My mom was a, when she was younger, was a traveling evangelist. She used to, uh, stand up and play the, uh used to sing and play stand up bass with a little three of her other sisters and they used to minister in towns and drive out, you know, live out of a bus and basically tour and do like a revival culture, you know, in the in the forties and fifties and maybe even up to the early sixties. And that's when they met, you know, my, my dad and stuff. And they went to church out in Venice, California and got married and they literally were in love with God. They, they grew up kind of in the Catherine Coleman, um, you know, revival era. Um, so they were very Pentecostal and stuff like that. Um, so of course I believe in all signs, wonders, and miracles, according to God's word and, you know, tested and true by the fruit of the Holy Spirit and in the Bible, of course, and, and not anything its anything whacked out. I don't believe in that, obviously. But everything that the Lord did then, He can, can do now. But yeah, I was I was basically raised in a Christian family. So, you know, by default, I kind of thought I was a Christian. And then I started going to the Christian concerts. They had at Calvary Chapel, Coast to Mesa. That's uh that's one of the churches me and my brother went to. That every Saturday night they had an outreach night with a a guy named Randy Ziegler, who's a real good minister and he is a, a hippie guy. Um this would have been, you know, probably late 70s, early to late 70s. I mean, they did this from the 60s all the way up to probably almost, you know, the 90s. But he was a hippie guy, he had, you know, super long hair parted in the middle, bell bottom jeans, uh, no shoes. And he was just a, almost like a comedian. He was hilarious, but he 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 had such a such a great outreach. So he'd have like a you know uh Daniel Amos play or in the you know undercover play or in just, just tons of the Orange County Christian music, you know people would come through there, even mustard seed faith, you know, way back in the early days, uh, the archers, all of them, sweet comfort. And, um, then you do a message and you do an altar call and just, I mean, just hundreds of people would come every week to know God. It was just wonderful. So I, I actually got saved. I mean, like knowingly got saved probably like an age or maybe six, seven, not six, between seven and nine. You know, I was, I was already in elementary school and I brought my friend there. And, um, when I heard the altar call, even though I knew God, um, Spirit got a hold of my heart, and I just started weeping. Like, I've I've said this a couple different times. I don't want to repeat myself, but I I just felt like I was a murderer. Like, I was the worst person on earth. You know, here's this little pretty much sweet kid, you know, but I was so broken by the presence of God and how good and how wonderful he was. And even as a kid, I realized, oh my goodness, I need this savior. I want this in my life. And from that moment forward, um, I gave my heart to Jesus and he's literally been, you know, been speaking to me and saving me and setting me aside pretty much my whole life. Um, Growing up in a Christian family, it was easy. I didn't get caught up in the I've uh, never like no big deal, but I've never smoked a cigarette or taken a sip of alcohol or did any kind of drugs like that. And that was just because, you know, the Lord instilled it to me by seeing through, you know, family members and people that I knew that would, you know, overdose on drugs or or get you know get addicted to alcohol. And you know, I actually had like a a great uncle kill himself on the phone um, by drinking himself to death when he was talking to my father. My father would minister to him every week and. He would say he's going to kill himself and talk to him. My dad would just kind of try to talk to him, talk him down every, literally every week. He was in Texas at that time. And, um, one day he did it on the phone and took too many Tylenol, didn't come back. So I realized, man, addiction is horrible. Um, and I was just so grateful that, um, God just kept me from that, you know, which is, which was just, a, just basically him just keeping me, uh, for something better. You know, preserving me. I feel like I experienced a lot of uh, a love and comfort so I could deal with people that were really, really broken. And I didn't have to go to a place um, that was destroyed in myself. I'd have the endurance to be able to understand what it was like to minister to ritually abused people or people that were really, really hurting. So I kind of feel like that's why um, I was lucky enough to have a great life, you know, knowing Jesus early. Yeah. And, you know, I I
0: too seen stories and I've seen um, firsthand what addiction does to an individual, you know. And yeah, uh, I am lucky I never did the hard drugs because I've seen what it did to my mom. I've seen what it did to friends. I've heard of overdose on some of my favorite mm-hmm. musicians and you know mm-hmm. things like that. And you know. Just like you said, you know, you were through, uh, through the suffering, you know, you find solace because, uh, yeah. um, uh, when, when you're, when sometimes God gives you suffering because you're, you're, you're not listening and you go through a, uh, a, a season of just doing everything yourself. I can do this. I don't need his help. I don't need, um, uh, God to do anything. But then the suffering comes, that's when your ears open, your eyes open, you say, you know what, I cannot do this alone, and I need my Savior with me.
1: Well, I I completely agree with you, and actually, I... I I believe that's God's secondary plan. Uh, Keith Green wrote a song uh, that said, you know, to, to obey. And of course it's in the Bible, of course, to, to obey is better than sacrifice. So ultimately, you know, God just wants our heart. He just wants obedience, not, not obedience. that's just like, you know, a, a Nazi answering with, with, with mindlessness, but an actual love of his word and what he wants, knowing that he's good, knowing the heart of God is trusting the heart of God, knowing that he's good and accepting that. And if we're able to do that, then we don't have to, (laughs) you know, do a bunch of back channeling and and making up and having to go through suffering to learn what he would have just simply said to us right off the bat. So yes, God will use absolutely everything. And in my brokenness and in my sorrow, that's kind of where I write most of my songs, to be honest with you. Um, anything I've ever experienced, people I've met, uh, stories I've heard, I, I don't write anything that's not true. Everything has been, you know, one-on-one accounted either through me or someone that I love and trust. Um, so that's brokenness is a wonderful thing, wonderful place to be honest with God, because that's when we're just not faking it. That's when it's, truly authentic at least for me and i'm like i said i'm a ridiculously sensitive musician so you know i know some people can can have a little more tolerance to that kind of stuff but you know i i can go in a room and feel if someone's hurting or broken and it just breaks my heart so i live a life with a with a hopeful broken heart um because i love god you know yeah
0: and i can tell by your music that you, you have a personal relationship with the words on on the lyrics, so it, yeah. it's not just you know you paid somebody in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee to, to write you a song or Knoxville or anywhere yeah. else to write you a song. You you actually put out your your blood your soul onto the paperwork because uh, one way to truly. Uh, help others is to actually feel what they feel like you said and I believe a lot of great musicians a lot of great artists do have that kind of sensitivity that actually feels what other people are feeling and and to feel it and to be able to write it and make it in musical form that just shows that the gift of God is given to you uh, is, is also perfect in, in your
1: life Yeah, that's true. Um, That is absolutely true. I mean, a lot of people get inspiration from wonderful things, um, you know, Different ministries that God gives us are inspired by different things, and a lot of mine have been inspired by brokenness. That that's in like like we're talking about you know being any kind of an artist in general. They're pretty sensitive. They, they something stirs in their heart, and they'll go to the canvas and start writing, and they'll start pouring it out. They'll start pouring it out on the canvas, or if you're in the spoken word, you'll start speaking it. You'll start writing the poetry. I mean, it is an expression of what God's you know literal hand and breath is doing in our life. And it's kind of a question just of obedience. Like what you're doing is, is art. What you're doing by providing this forum and doing what you do is what God wants you to do. And that's why you're content in it. And that's why God keeps opening the doors and that's why it keeps moving forward because God is good. He loves his kids to do what they love to do. Um, and it's just almost like, uh, kind of like he did with David, you know, uh, God could have designed his house of worship, any which way he could have, he could have pulled a Noah and, you know, and give him the actual dimensions, but he didn't, he, he, he let him go and let him design it because God is happy when we're happy too. He loves us. Just like we love seeing our kids create a little, you know, house out of Play-Doh and it looks like a, you know, a bubble or whatever. And we say it's beautiful because it is beautiful to us. That's we, when we can see God as this loving father, we can realize he's already pleased. Um, We don't have to please him. Our life should be worshiped, whether it's quietness, meditation, praying, doing our music, doing our work, going through hardship. All that garbage that we go through can be a form of worship to God because he just loves us through it all. Amen. Amen
0: to that. Uh, let's get to um, your first band since you you started at 14. Uh, am I correct? 14, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mad at the world. So um uh, to all the new listeners that have not heard of that band, can you describe that band?
1: Absolutely. Um we were in Orange County, California. Um, there was a real popular radio station. It was kind of world worldwide known for kind of breaking different bands like Oingo Boingo and the Smiths and Depeche Mode uh, to the, you know, Southern California areas called KROQ. Um and we were, you know, Christian artists doing kind of our um, our early band stuff was kind of like our attempt of doing undercover. You know, we kinda did like a a synthie punk, um, where I played real drums and just kind of did that kind of thing. It is kind of a, a alternative rock, I guess what you'd kind of call it now. But um we were just kind of going off of what we, you know, of what we liked in the in the Christian music scene. But then we got we we got into some British bands like uh Depeche Mode and The Smith, and we were just blown away. It's like, oh my goodness, there wasn't really any Christian music you know, that was kind of ministering to that kind of group of people that were into that, uh, you know, British, Brit pop sound, you know, with the techno and with the, with the darkness kind of talking about dark lyrics and the sounds were dark and kind of scary and interesting looking. Um, so we got in, we got a Commodore 64 and got some old analog gear and samplers and started, uh, you know, sequencing our songs, started, started recording them on the computer. Um, we made basically a full demo, um, about a 90 shoot, 90 minute demo of almost what the whole first Mad at the World album was, the one that has the map on it. Um, we sent that demo um into Frontline Records because my brother is an actual mailman. He he dropped it off in, in Jimmy Kepner's mailbox, and we got called a week later saying they love that and they want to sign us because they've never heard anything like it. But Mad at the World, um, you know, was definitely different. Kronbacher was doing some techno stuff. Um, you know, I'm, I wouldn't say we're the first, but we were one of the first to exclusively kind of do that analog, uh, you know, work Depeche Mode type sound. So it was a very European, very dark it was exactly what I was into, you know, as a 15, 16 year old kid, you know, going to high school is what a lot of my friends, you know, were into at that time. So we wanted to have a Christian alternative, um, for the youth group kids that didn't, you know, didn't feel like, uh, you know, quoting Depeche Mode lyrics about, you know, God having a sick sense of humor. And when he dies, I expect to find him laughing. I mean, that's a horrible thing for a Christian to say, but you know, Christian kids love music. And if they're not going to find it, in the Christian world, they're going to they're going to look out there obviously and find what they like. So we wanted to be a, kind of an alternative to that whole movement, you know, the, the pseudo goth electronica uh, type thing. So that's what Mad at the World was um, really for the first two albums. And then we kind of started transitioning a little in our sound, but that's our initial thing was a Brit synth pop type thing. And uh, how
0: long did it? How long did your band um, uh, take form till till the breakup?
1: Um, I think, I think, well, we started in 86 was our first record and I believe we stopped around probably 97, 90, 95, 96. So, I mean, it was, it was a pretty long span. Um, we all got married, had kids. We didn't want to go on the road. Um, and the music industry was, you know, kind of changing now, you know, since, since our first record, you know, we probably had like probably six or seven different actual studio records besides all the different um, combination records that have come back and greatest hits and all that stuff. But um, you know, we we kind of ended out doing like a a jellyfish type of thing. You know, where we we in the middle years were like rock and roll and kind of like the cult. You know, that type of thing. Um, cause that was something we could do live. Um, I used to play stand-up percussion and triggers in the early mad at the world stuff. I didn't play an actual drum set. So it was, it was kind of awkward live. We felt kind of uncomfortable being, we used to be a full, you know, band with drums, bass and guitar and keyboards, you know? So we kind of went to a real band thing and our music kind of transitioned from rock and roll into kind of like a jellyfish psychedelic thing for our last two albums. And then basically I kind of, you know, We just kind of grew out of it. The industry was changing, and and more than anything, we didn't want to go on the road. We had kids. We were married. Um, Me and Roger never stopped making music, but we stopped recording it um, on labels, you know, probably around 95, 96.
0: And uh, after you had that that break, after... um you know, when it, when it started to get down, because you had to take care of your family. Sure. And family first is, is always with anything. It doesn't matter that you need, oh, I need to make millions of dollars, but how are you going to enjoy that millions of dollars if you leave your family behind? You don't even take good care of them. You don't even uh, I agree. Uh, I, I water agree. the seed, you know, to sprout them into good individuals, to to God-fearing individuals. So well that's
1: yeah that that's that's the thing I mean you know looking back there would have been absolutely no danger of of them sitting on the stage and and, and me playing and going out and I, I probably should have done that, but it's almost like you feel like you're growing up and transitioning and I hey I'm not a rock and roll guy anymore, uh, but the thing is is that like you kind of mentioned earlier it really never stops the, the the music never stopped the desire to play never really stopped so you know me and Roger both separately just went crazy into songwriting we've literally have never stopped writing since I've been 13 years old and to this very day I wrote a song last. Just yesterday um as well so i'm i i'll continue to do music forever and now i'm doing it full time again you know since since the re-release uh basically about five years ago with songs for the ritually abused that rose you know my band rose randy rose did um that's what i do now and that's kind of why i'm in california moved the studio out here and that that is what i'm trusting god to do is just rekindle my music i'm i'm signed uh to behold industries uh josh spencer's label out in la and it's going to be a great new up-and-coming label. It's going to be the new Tooth and Nail, I believe. And I'm his first artist. So besides the Masquerade, which just recently got released, I'm almost done with another record. Believe it or not, so that's going to be coming soon too. And I, I can't wait for that one. I've been jamming to uh,
0: Masquerade uh, before oh. uh, I was able to get you on get you on the show. Oh wow! I, also I like the- Across the River. Oh yeah I love, I love that song yes and I, I want to play that at the end of the show because we're getting close to the end of the show but okay. uh, but doing this um, you, you having this gift and you were able to take a season off to take care of your family God gave you that season to, to be there for your family and now that everything um, you know is opened up to go back to your gift. And you're yes. able to go out there and minister in front of the masses, and and able to uh, play your music again. I bet you you are so happy to be to be able to do that again. Well,
1: absolutely. And 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 kind of the the, the first thing that let that happen um, really kind of started. You know, um, and I was I was doing the first you know. Randy Rose album was actually in 91. So I was doing that while we still were doing Frontline, um, you know, stuff with Mad at the World. I'm looking I'm looking at this discography now, and the Ferris wheel was 93. So, um, you know, we definitely still were signed, still doing music. So um, my first music, you know, Roger kind of put my name in, in the hat with Frontline. They signed me just because they just loved my music. They knew the solo stuff that I did with, uh, you know, Mad at the World. So it was just a natural transition to do this, the, the Danzig thing I was doing with Sacrificium back in 91. But yeah, it is, a, it is a joy to be able to do music again. And really what opened that door for me, honestly, was just getting on Facebook, you know, when I very first got on Facebook and just, I was just talking about God and whatnot. And I started getting all these tons of friend requests from fans, you know, it's like, you know, people that um i'm 13 years younger than my brother so there's you know there's still a lot of people you know that, that grew up right alongside me that were still listening to this music and and were huge fans and it grew to you know a ton and ton of different friends and fans and they said you know when are you gonna do music again i said well actually i've never stopped but um since the world became a thing where you can do uh you know your own independent releases now and that's pretty much what's happened since the collapse of um The music industry, you know, which basically kind of, kind of, you know, started with Napster, you know, when everybody could just download stuff. There was no reason to have recording studios, you know, you know, formulated, freestanding recording studios. They're still there and they're wonderful and they're super, super needed. And I have one because I've just always put my money into that. Anything I'd make, I'd put into this. So I've always carried the studio with me. But I mean, the music industry was shot. So I think, well, man, I'm just going to, I'm just going to start writing this stuff. The fans are asking for it. Um, let's see if they want to finance it. You know, we started doing a Kickstarter thing. I started seeing different artists, the 77s do it. I started seeing, you know, um, LSU do it. And I said, well, you know, let's, let's just see if they do it. And people jumped on it and financed it instantly, which was super exciting and super scary because, you know, not only am, am I the artist, the writer, the engineer and the producer, but now I'm actually the record label guy you know, which I have no idea how to do. So I just basically told it, told people about it. People supported it. They financed it and it was a good success. You know, that was, that was songs for the richly abused. Of course, that was, the that was the first one that was in 2017. That was my first kind of reintroduction to the world of Christian music. And then from there, I did another Kickstarter for the masquerade. Um, and that was just a, dis- a disaster. I got really, really sick. I had a whole bunch of heartache, a whole bunch of uh, personal things going in my life, my bunch of friends and family that died. Like I said, I lost my mom and my dad during that time got really sick. thought I was about to die. Just, it was just the most trying, horrible time. And it literally took me four hours, uh, excuse me, four hours. I wish it took me like four years to get that record done. I had so much shame. I was so distressed. I felt so much like internal pressure, like, Oh my goodness, I'm letting all these people down. They, they financed this. And you know, when you're going through certain things that are really, really hard, um, Like if Queen was making a record and they're going through a time where it was taking them a bunch of time to do it, you know, Freddie Mercury wouldn't go as he's making a record and say, Hey, I just got diagnosed with AIDS. I'm doing really, really bad. They just don't, a lot of people don't feel comfortable. I don't have AIDS. I'm just giving you an example, you know, of, of, of of what an artist wouldn't do to open themselves out um, to express what's going on in their life. Um, because that's why you have press people. People want to paint a picture the way that it should be. So I was trying to be as honest as I could with my fans during my updates, but you know, they are few and far in between because it was so incriminating and so painful, uh, to express the fact that I'm having so much trouble with, you know, my equipment blowing up, um, Literally, I bought an old analog mixer to do this recording on it. Actually, I bought it and I traded a whole bunch of equipment so I could just go virtually completely all analog and have a real you know vintage sounding record. Two weeks into that, the thing just went up in smoke. I had a technician come out to fix it, to upgrade it, and he literally like blew it up in front of my face. So then I had to start you know, selling more stuff to re-record this album. So it was just like a continual thing. And obviously now looking back, I realize it was just an attack from the enemy trying to do everything to delay the content of these lyrics, you know, cause it's, it's a very heavy record. The last two records I've done, but the content of it is so ridiculously controversial and crazy. Uh Satan didn't want it out. You know, it's 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 I was being canceled by the spirit world, if you will. <laughs> you know, but God is greater and I finally got it done. But yes, it is just wonderful to do it now. And I'm super excited having that Kickstarter behind me and having a record label now that's supporting me uh financially and making this possible without me feeling like I gotta, you know, juggle to make people happy um i want to do music that pleases god and something that i actually like something that i you know i want to write the music that i don't hear a band doing so i can be a fan of my own stuff if you know what i mean <laughs> yeah definitely definitely but hey
0: uh randy i want to thank you for being on the show we're coming to the end because i'm really okay, excited ahead. about hearing that across the river okay. uh you know i know masquerade is is what your your you your heart of all hearts into the music because of uh, everything that happened with your, your family. Um, you know, my heart goes out to you. My condolences to you. I know they're Thank in the kingdom me. right now. Well, uh, waiting to embrace you when you come home. I know that. Yes. Um, you know, I, I am so, so happy and, and I'm so excited that you're, you're back into doing music Thank and you. and I can't I'm wait gonna, to hear. Lag. I can't wait to hear more. And uh, you know what? And we are going to hear more. We're going to hear Across the River by Randy Rose. And that CD is The Masquerade. And you know what? If you want to check that out, you can go check out all his social medias as well as all the streaming platforms. Uh, Do you have a
1: merch uh, place? We're building up one, actually, with Behold right now. But they can go to randyrose.info. I do still have some uh, t-shirts. I have a lot of... uh, i have a little bit of the masquerade josh has most of the masquerade at behold industries but i do have songs originally abused in vinyl and cassette you know the album that was like you know four or five years ago i had that on hand still so there's a few copies of that but yeah they can they can direct message me or private message me through facebook um, randyrose.info it's all there if all right find me
0: please all right <laughs> thank you randy thank you so much for being on the show again you, here's across the river one of my favorites off the new cd
1: And with my weight, I'll break you back in two. I'm in shaking and a hypnotic cycle, so true.
0: That is the show. I want to thank my guests for giving out their testimony and listening to their awesome music. I want to give a shout out to all the new listeners that happen to stumble upon this podcast. Thank you. It is a Food Network special where you get to learn to make some awesome tacos. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but this is not a cooking show. But the one thing I would love to tell you is that you do get edification. You do get fed by the word of God, Jesus Christ, through the testimonies of my guest and my constant babbling. want to tell you that you did not come here by mistake, that God had a plan for you to listen to this show and possibly, possibly help you out. Just want to let you know you are not alone there are people out here that are awesome people, that are Christians, that would love you no matter who you are, and just to let you know, you are a child of God, and God is wanting you back home, old oh, prodigal son. I want to thank all the new, oops, I already said the new listeners, but I would like to thank all the diehard listeners that happen to listen here You are the Taco Supreme Street Taco group that I love and cherish. Without, like I said, without y'all to hear, I would be talking to the wall, and that would give ample ammunition to my wife to lock me up for good. Just want to give a shout out to Chris Johnson, my director, the Street Taco team. You know who you are. To Finding Hope Festival, where they are Christ centered, you know, emotional and mental health uh, through Christ centered. And it's pretty awesome to listen to them and talk to them and be able to be a part of that group. I just want to give y'all a word of advice. When you feel like you're alone, when you feel like no one cares, when you feel like the only way is through your addiction, just remember, there was a perfect man that hit earth. There was a man of no faults, no flaws. And he died for your sins. He laid upon that cross so you can hold your head up high and enter the kingdom because god loves you so much that he sent his only son and you can always turn around from all the addiction you can always go back into that nice childlike state where you were innocent all you have to do is just open your heart give give yourself to god tell god Father, I love you. I miss you. I am sorry I've, I've left, but I'm back. And I know you have not forsaken me or left me. I know the path that I've took was from my own, my own uh, devices. But you know what? I see that I am a child, and I see through child eyes. And once I become right with God, I shall see through adult eyes. And I shall see my wrongdoings and cast them away and put them on your altar. And I just want to tell y'all, y'all have a great day. Have a great life. Remember to talk to your father daily and don't have yourself a good day. No good sir, good ma'am. Have yourself a great day. And as for the Johnny Taco Show... Just to let you know, we love you, and we'll see you next time. Play that music, Chris. I said play that music.